1: So for today's question, Samantha, I have one that I am almost certain I know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Were you a member of any fan clubs? I have to think about it because I feel like I may
2: have been, but it was way back when.
1: Oh, I saw it for sure. It was going to be a 100% no, but okay.
2: No, I think it was because I had just come into the US. My brother was a big Tiffany fan. 1980s, Tiffany. Adam's <laughs> I gonna love that I said this. Uh, I think he and I both joined her fan club.
1: I do not know who Tiffany is, but uh. Uh, I think we're alone now. That's I
2: think oh, we're alone. Now. It's okay. like she and the new kids on the block uh was the big mall singers. Like they would do mall tours.
1: Mm-hmm. Mall mm-hmm. tours. I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah. Look, oh I'm that gosh. old.
2: That's I'm that old. Uh, no. I was really young when this was coming about. But yeah, I think she and I, he and I were both fans. Like he, because I wanted to do what he did, it was very American. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do this mm-hmm. with you. But I mm-hmm. think that was the only real time. I'm guessing you have been?
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> I have multiple fan clubs in my, under my belt. Um, I was big in... The Green Day fan club. Oh. Yeah. It seems
2: so weird because, don't get me wrong, I know Green Day was a big band and everything, but that seems like against what they would have wanted for them (laughs) as a band, themselves as a band.
1: Well, their fan club was very different than the other fan clubs I was a member of because it was more like random video clips of them on tour and Trey Cool yelling at you. Uh, for watching okay. the video. Okay, so it fits, I think. <laughs> um, But I was also John Williams Fan Club. Um, and the one I wanted to bring up today, the Mary-Kate and Ashley Fan Club. Because yes. they would send you a box like every couple months with a mystery for you to solve. And it was, cool. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> it's the most exciting package. And I would just like get my flower and dust the mirror for fingerprints that were my fingerprints, of course. And oh <laughs> I love
2: that they that's what they did because they were genius when it comes to entrepreneurship. That's a whole other level.
1: Oh yeah. I was a huge Mary Kate Nashley fan. Um I think I was in that fan club for probably an embarrassing amount of time. I might have aged out, but I just like mysteries. I like puzzles. It was fun. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I mean, if it's amusing, why not? It kept me, like, I had to go outside for some of them and oh, I.
2: Mm, mm, mm. I will say there's something to getting a package in the mail and just having something, like, when people send you things, it is yeah. really quite delightful.
1: Yeah. And I, I like a good surprise package too from someone you know, where you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. And it's just sort of this mismatch of things. I love that. Uh, And that's why I wanted to bring it up, because today we are talking about women in the United States Postal Service, the USPS. Um, Yes. And if you are curious after this, you want to do some further listening, Stuff You Missed in History Class, our uh, sister podcast, although I have been called out for calling them sister podcast and brother podcast, so I don't really know the correct terminology. Another podcast on our network, um... Our fam, our fam podcast. Yes, yes. our podcast fam. Yes, um, they did an episode on women in the USPS. That was the title back in twenty six, back in twenty sixteen. So you can go check that out. And for those that don't know, um, here in the United States, there has been a lot of conversation about the United States Postal Service. As in fact, we had the whole uh, hearing. We
2: have a whole hearing happening right now.
1: Yes, yes. As we record this, um, which is August 25th, uh, just to put a stamp on there, because, ah, accidental pun. (laughs) Uh, Things are moving very quickly. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Trump has pretty much been attacking it, Um, talking about withholding of funds to prevent universal mail-in voting. He literally said that out loud. Um, His appointee to Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is very vocal, a proponent of privatizing the USPS, essentially um, dismantling it. And as a part of that, he has eliminated overtime pay. This has resulted in massive delivery delays. I've seen this um, with packages I've sent out and have been expecting. Uh, also, there was yeah, Your a big... birthday present's not here yet. I'm very upset about this. Oh, I, I was like, is this a... Oh, no, blame the USPS. No birthday present. <laughs> No birthday present for you. That's cool. That's cool. Your presence no, is it's all coming. I need. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there was like a big kerfuffle of them, uh, of post boxes being removed. Um, and this is all despite the fact that the USPS has a 91% approval rating, which is the highest of any government agency. Um, and people depend on it for checks and medicine. I think that gets forgotten by a lot of people who just complain about junk mail. Um, and especially if we're talking about an election with a lot of mail-in voting, very right. important. Um, due to uh, people who work at the post office, their knowledge of the landscape, mail carriers have provided assistance after disasters. They've helped find lost children. They've provided emergency first aid. All kinds of things, really. Like, there's fantastic stories out there for the reading. Um, now, some of uh, Louis Joy's uh, more controversial changes, some of them have been put on hold till after the election because a lot of, there's a lot of bipartisan backlash. but still, damage has been done. Um, although we did get some fun news that Steve Bannon was arrested in part with the help of the U.S Postal Inspection Service, which I don't know, is that ironic? Is that the word? I just I'm just. I the was, timing. I thought it was like an onion article when I first saw it. I did he's too. like on a yacht getting arrested by essentially the USPS. I'm like, wait. <laughs>
2: okay. I did too. I had to go back and look. It's like, they can do that? What's mm-hmm.
1: happening? What's happening? Yep. I learned a lot that day.
2: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, there's a lot. As we're talking again, I love watching hearings like this or just at least clips of it to see. Mainly, it just seems like a majority of the female uh, representatives have been going after DeJoy pretty hard um, and trying to just kind of see if he understands the basics of the Postal Service. (laughs) And he doesn't. He knew the cost of a stamp.
1: Oh, wow. I'm surprised that that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was about it. And the rest of it was kind of like, what is happening? So it was, it's been an interesting thing to watch. Because I will say, I don't know either. But as someone who was the lead and the head of yeah. an agency that is supposed to be a service, you right. would think would you be would important. Uh, but I digress. So the U.S. Postal Service sorts over 154 billion pieces of mail each year and employ over 600,000 People, um, the USPS has also long been important for communities of color, both in terms of service and stable employment. Twenty-one percent of their employees are Black.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of really amazing statistics out there in terms of how much uh, mail they do sort. If you want to find them, it's a lot. It's way more than their competitors, <laughs> way more. Right, and then
2: just a reminder: one of the controversy is that they have unplugged. The sorting machines, which is a very big, important part of what's happening.
1: Yeah, and it's odd because—it's odd at first because things feel so partisan here right now, and in a lot of ways they are. Right. Um, But there was a part of me that naively thought the post post office, but there has been a history of this. This is not, by any means, um, the first time, especially Republican— Politicians have come for the USPS. It's just like, don't we have enough going on right now? Uh, <laughs> I really, I'm getting question. at my limit. Right?
2: <laughs> well, there are two hurricanes coming. Yeah, a lot of oh. fires happening. Let's go ahead and just, you know,
1: dismantle the USPS. Why not? What? No better <laughs> time than the present. You know, uh, something always comes up, as I like to say. So. <laughs> uh, we did want to go, we wanted to go over the history of, of the USPS and specifically women and, and the United States Postal Service because it's fascinating. It really is. Um mm-hmm. So, briefly, the United States Postal Service is as old as the United States is itself, and in fact, older, uh, and in many ways helped build this country. It was guaranteed in the Constitution, formed by George Washington in 1775. Um, at that time, there was a single female postmaster, Mary Catherine Goddard. And even prior, yeah, in colonial America, there were uh, there were these post routes, and there were two female postmasters on record. When Goddard was removed by the postmaster general in 1789, 200 people petitioned to have her reinstated. Aww. Yeah. That's nice. I don't know why. It just makes me think, oh, she's loved. <laughs> I know. And there are a lot of examples of that throughout this. And then I was, as I was reading stories of people who work um, at USPS and just, the bonds they form in their community and people yeah. know their names. And that's how, like, if if somebody hasn't answered their mail in three days, but they usually come out and talk to them and they, that's how they'll know, like, maybe I should check in on them or call call an ambulance. And it's really heartwarming, some of the yeah. stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, most of these early women who held these positions did so because their husband or father couldn't fulfill their duties and it was sort of like... Kind of a backdoor entrance into getting the job. They just never officially had it, perhaps, but they were performing the duties.
2: Right. So the first woman appointed as postmaster under the Constitution was Sarah DeCrow in North Carolina in 1792. DeCrow kept trying to resign due to the low pay. Um, When Rose Wright was appointed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in 1814, she faced some backlash and controversy over whether or not a woman could hold the position at all, which is weird since they have been. Huh, whatever. <laughs> uh, the Postmaster General at the time wrote, quote, my feelings would lead me to appoint Miss Wright in conformity to the wishes expressed in her recommendation, but the post office law has been revised and altered since the appointment of Mrs. Moore, and a doubt has been suggested to me from a source that I ought to respect as the strict legality of appointing a female, and on careful examination of the law, I incline to believe that the doubt may be well-founded.
1: Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, it was that we've talked about it before, but it was how the pronoun, the default pronoun in the Constitution is he. Mm -hmm. I think that's the argument he was making. Oh, that's been used so often. Yep, it sure has. Um, In 1802, the Postmaster General passed a law prohibiting black people from working for the post office, a law that wasn't repealed until the Civil War. The first record we have of a woman being appointed to deliver mail goes back to April 3rd, 1845, when Postmaster General Cave Johnson appointed Sarah Black. One of her relatives became the town's first female postmaster after that. Um, At first, these early female uh, mail carriers transported mail, but by 1899, they were delivering it too, primarily on rural routes. But they made it to the cities as well, (laughs) to the big city by 1917 during the shortage of men uh, from World War I. Mm. Washington's postmaster said about this, this is the first time in the record of the post office department of the United States that women have been used for carrying mail on routes in a city. It must be considered more or less in the nature of an experiment. And it was viewed this way as kind of an experiment in a handful of cities across the country, like a test, a trial run. Right. Um, And though the women in question were successful on their routes, most were replaced into indoor post office positions, so they didn't get to keep their routes. Right.
2: So several women were hired as postmasters in the South after the Civil War because taking the position requires swearing an oath. They had not voluntarily provided any aid to Confederate soldiers or the Confederacy, and a lot of men couldn't make that oath. So in 1862, the postmaster general became the first higher-up official to appoint women to positions at the Washington, D.C.'s post department headquarters, specifically in the dead letter office, and it employed more women than any other in the U.S. government. So these women earn about 35% less than their male counterparts. Surprise. So in an 1869 New York Times article arguing for women's equal pay came with this quote about how the women weren't allowed to do the mechanical work of opening letters because, quote, as is said, immoral things are sometimes found in the male, obviously. And to see these things would, it is supposed, corrupt the morals of women. And at this time, a lot of post offices had separate ladies' windows.
1: So. That blew my mind. Well,
2: this, they have delicate constitutions. Come on.
1: What if a letter magically opens and I see a, a, a drawing, a stick figure with ankles or something? I don't know what I'll do. <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some places even had a third window. So there was a ladies' window, men's window, and then the third one was men accepting letters for women. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, that's the only way you can do it. That's obviously the easiest way to go about all of this. Uh, and yeah, that quote, mechanical work, that was an official term used to prevent women from working, uh, opening letters, mechanical work. Hey, you make it a hard. paper cut. That's really I, rough. That's true. In a paper cut, I'm not arguing that point. If I
2: have a paper cut,
1: I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> I actually believe that. <laughs> 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 um, The first known Black female postmaster, Anna Dumas, was appointed in Louisiana in 1872. And then in Marshall Cummings' 1893 work, The Story of Our Post Office, he estimated 6,335 women held the position of postmaster. He wrote A whole book could be written about the many admirable women who work away with all their tact and business prudence, trying to please their patrons and the department alike, and pleasing both because they try. Sometimes they are the most important persons in their towns.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Women managed about 10% of the country's 70,000 post offices by the end of the 19th century. And because of that community and almost reverence people had for people who worked with the USPS and postmasters, uh, these admirable women, as Marshall Cushing uh, alluded to, there are so many legends, so many legends about women in the USPS. And we have some amazing ones to share yes, with you. <laughs> so excited. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So because the job was physically demanding and male wagons were frequent targets of bandits and women, of course, were seen as fragile. So fragile. Mm-hmm. Female post carriers were almost mythical.
1: Oh, yes. And oh, I'm yes. Excited. Let's go. Take Polly Martin. She became the first known woman to carry mail on a contract route or a star route. From 1860 to 1876, she drove a mail wagon in Massachusetts, delivering mail, packages, telegraphs, and sometimes providing transport for up to six people. An 1884 Boston Globe interview with Polly Martin was subtitled Brave Polly Martin, who used to drive the Attleboro Mail, how she horsewhipped highway robbers and silenced saucy passengers. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> According to her, uh, she'd only been accosted one time by a robber. She beat him in the face with a horse whip and kept going. She said in an interview, "Quote: He had tackled the wrong customer that time." Ooh. Oh, get them, Polly. Dang. <laughs> so, an 1888 article from the New York Times
2: wrote of Minnie Westman, a mail carrier out of Oregon, uh, that she, quote, carries the mail night and day and fears nothing. She rides the horseback and carries a trusty revolver. Yes. The Washington Post <laughs> wrote about Arizona's Sarah M. Burke, who twice a week traveled her 52 mile route that was described as, quote, wild and desolate and God forsaken. Wild, wild I west. I love
1: this. I love this. This would have been right up my alley as a kid. Uh, <laughs> kind of a post. A woman in the post office. Why isn't there a these, movie? Why isn't there Hollywood? Get on we it are ready. We are waiting. <laughs> The first known Black woman to carry mail was Mary Fields in the 1890s. Formerly enslaved, Fields was legendary in her Montana, in her Montana town. Uh, she smoked cigars. She drank a lot. She was a crack shot. She was very kind. Um, when she died, her obituary was on the front page of both the local papers. People adored her. Amazing. Yes. And, and always the caveat was first... Um, Hard to pin that down for sure. And in fact, the USPS official, they have a timeline that was really helpful in putting all this together. They even say like, you know, we're dependent on records that survived or records that were even kept. Right. So just put that out there. quotes. Yeah, yeah. And some of the dates confused me in their own timeline because I think they were sort of this unofficial thing happening where women were carrying mail. Right. But they weren't officially recognized. So sometimes I'd be like, but you said the first woman to do that did that like 10, 20 years ago. But I think it's kind of this difference in officially recognizing yeah, something. when they were
2: accredited with it.
1: Yeah, and and even if they, you know, mention somebody was delivering rural mail in 18-whatever, uh, that was sort of before there was this level of, here's a contract route and a local route, and you're officially affiliated with the USPS. Right. So it can get kind of muddled. But anyway, um, in 1896, Rural Free Mail Delivery Service was introduced, and three years later, the first assistant postmaster general said, on at least two routes, there are girl carriers, and they are as unflagging in their devotion to the service as the men and as efficient. Yeah. Yeah. In 1902, the postmaster general ordered, quote, a classified woman employee in the postal service who shall change her name by marriage will not be reappointed. Whoa. He believed married women should stay at home and take care of their wifely duties. They can't do that if they have a paper cut, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's too dangerous. Come on. That's true. Uh, though there were some exceptions to this, uh, but the law did remain in place until 1921. Something similar was enacted during the Great Depression, requiring that federally employed women who were married to federally employed men would be the first to be dismissed, a law that wasn't repealed until 1937. Hmm.
2: So also in 1902, the New York Times ran a piece on discrimination in civil services like the Post Office, reporting that several of them request only the male names for the register, despite the fact more women took and pass the exam. In response, an official said, every time a woman is appointed to a clerkship in one of the departments, she lessens the chances of marriage for herself and deprives some worthy man of a chance to take unto himself and raise a family. In addition to that, the men make for better clerks. They complain less, do more work, and work overtime, if need be, without grumbling. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I, I would never want to deprive some worthy man of a chance to raise a family or p- probably more accurately be working at the post office <laughs> when I'm raising the family. <laughs> right. Well, he
2: ignores me. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, it's strange to read uh, these. Because I, I, again, this is in like the official USPS timeline. I'm like, wow, <laughs> people really just, all right, yep. cool. Just putting it out there. Yeah, okay. Uh, a lot of people were really opposed to, to female rural carriers. Um, I got really confused at first because there was a big hubbub about um, women can only wear skirts, but you can't wear a skirt to be a a male carrier. And so there was this whole like argument over what was better if the female mail carrier should like break gender norms and wear pants or if she should keep the skirt. And I I was like, wow. Is this where the (laughs)
2: beginning of the blue shorts happened? I really hope so. That they were like, let's just get rid of all of
1: those things and get get rid of shorts. Yes. Let's start anew. (laughs) (laughs) I know the bag is designed for uh, dog attacks.
2: Oh. I did read that. Yeah. That makes sense. But Uh I I love that my favorite videos right now are the relationships between postal workers, mail carriers, and dogs. Yeah. Those are some of my favorites.
1: (laughs) Well, um, yeah, people were really torn about this whole skirt dilemma. And a lot of the the female mail carriers wanted to wear a skirt. Um, some, some didn't, but a lot of them did. Some saloons banded together to put their mailboxes outside so female carriers didn't have to sacrifice their dignity by entering. That's kind of them. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, a proposal to allow for male and female carriers uh, of to work for the post office was described by some as, quote, worse than reconstruction. <laughs> and I believe someone said it was the beginning of the end of our country. I feel like we've heard that statement so many times when it comes I to women doing things. I know. I feel like you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, nevertheless, the number of women mail carriers exploded over the course of the 20th century, going from only a few hundred to 84,000 at the turn of the new millennium.
2: Yeah, get them, girls. So in 1905, an Atlanta Journal-Constitution article described the near-death experience of Etta E. Bolton out of Mobile, Alabama. Uh, She was driving her milk wagon across a swollen stream over a rickety bridge when... Just as she reached the middle, the structure gave way. With great presence of mind and exceptional pluck, she managed to extricate herself from the debris and the struggling horse and gain the shore. The wagon horse and contents of the vehicle were doing their best to make an end to all, but Miss Bolton plunged again into the torrent and worked like a heroine of old to save the property. Nearly exhausted, she finally gained the bank, having saved every sack and pouch
1: of mail. I mean, this is exciting. That is such, again, why is this a movie? <laughs> I don't know but I love it. I love it. I also feel like pluck is such a specific term oh yeah to use for women in this particular case <laughs> so to our pluck Mm-hmm. Um, the Los Angeles Sunday Times published an article in 1907 called Life Not All Cake and Ale, Woman Mail Carrier Has Her Share of Trouble about Sarah George, whose biggest concern, according to her, was the terrain, including a swamp. She said, quote, If you once get into that mud hole, all the king's horses and all the king's men can hardly get you out. <laughs> also, great uh, article title. Yeah, for real. Male went airborne in 1911, and the first female pilot to make a mail drop was Catherine Stinson in 1913, both as a stunt, um, and, and she went on to do regular airmail in 1918. She attempted to make the Chicago to New York route in one day, but she ran out of fuel and was forced to land. Where she was forced to land was this muddy field, and it was so muddy that she slid and crashed. However... She was uninjured, but her plane had to be repaired, so she could not accomplish her goal, her one-day goal. Still, she broke two American records on this trip, one for skill and the other for endurance, so not bad. Yeah. Helen Ritchie was the first known woman to regularly complete air routes in 1934, and she beat out eight other pilots for that. I feel like this needs to be a contest, somehow a reality show contest. Like...
2: Who can deliver the mail the fastest? I mean, like, sounds like such a competition to have all of these records. This is amazing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. records indicate that children were sometimes affixed with stamps and mailed in train compartments. Oh, that's interesting. Someone even wrote to the Postmaster General about the best way to wrap a baby for transportation. Uh, this was right when the USPS just received authorization from Congress to deliver packages.
1: Yes, <laughs> gonna- and... The, the, I just want to put that in there because it's an interesting fact, but also, again, like I'm pretty sure people were delivering packages before this. right, but this was just kind of the official coming down from Congress. Yes, seems such a morbid way to send a baby, but okay. <laughs> it's only it as cheap.
2: it was cheap. <laughs> a couple of stamps. Moving on, get a forever (laughs) stamp and you're good? Awesome. So 25 women took the Civil Service Carrier Exam in Washington, D.C. in 1918 with a clear understanding they would only get jobs if there were no men to fill them, of course. Uh, Later that year, Irma C. Craig became the city's first regularly appointed carrier.
1: Many women did give up their roots when men returned home from war, but some continued. um, And something similar happened during World War II. During the 50s, women made up less than 1% of carriers. To change that, the postmaster hired former Congresswoman Cecil M. Hardin as his special assistant for women's affairs in 1959. She went on speaking tours promoting women as carriers with middling results. There was an increase, but not that much. Um, The number uh, for female postmasters went up during World War II as well, from about 17,500 to 42,680 by 1943. More than 40% of the 41,575 postmaster positions were held by women. The Postmaster General released a press release about this in 1958, writing, quote, with our near 16,000 women Postmasters representing close to half of our entire management staff, we believe it is fair to say the American Post Office Department recognizes the management abilities of women perhaps more than any other private or governmental organization anywhere. Mm. Yeah. 14% 14% of all Black people who earned above the national median income were postal workers by 1940.
2: So during World War II, a group of 855 Black women in the 6,888 Central Postal Directory Battalion of the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps managed the military's mail. It was headed up by Major Charity Adams Early. By the war's end, she was the highest ranking Black woman in the military. So this battalion was the only one that was all Black and all women. They were deployed in england and france and when they arrived in england in 1943 there were letters stacked to the ceiling they were able to deliver morale boosting letters to the seven million american soldiers stationed in europe despite this important work the army was still segregated surprise surprise and the woman ate and slept in segregated barracks
1: so many so many stories here um again i want this to be a whole series Oh, it could be like an HBO limited run. The Blakely Circle? Blakely
2: Blakely Circle?
1: (laughs) What are you talking about? The women who did the coding, the Morris coding. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Clear as day. Clear as day. Uh, But in the meantime, we're not done with these stories. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. So, President John F. Kennedy formed the President's Commission on the Status of Women in 1961, specifically to examine the employment practices of federal offices. And in 1962, he ordered that federal appointments be made without regards to sex. More and more women became carriers. Uh, By 1983, they made up about 10% of carriers. Uh, The 1963 Equal Pay Act also made room for more black women, and the number employed shot up at the USPS. Women were fighting for the rights for standard uniforms and separate but equal bathrooms in the 1960s. Skirts were made an official uniform option in 1955. And it wasn't until 1969
2: that women were allowed into the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. And in 1974, the Postal Service claimed it was one of the world's largest employers of women, uh, the product of a long-standing postal tradition of providing career opportunities to women. I feel like it took a long while to get there, though. Uh, so, mm-hmm. women in the service looked at the lack of leadership in the agency and disagreed. As I said, mm-hmm. in response, the Postal Service founded the Women's Program to seek out women for placement in high-level jobs, and it was semi-successful. At the time, women made up only sixteen point five percent of those positions, less than any other federal agencies. And the leader of this program, Mary Valentino, called it only on paper. She filed a class-action lawsuit for one hundred fifty-five. 1,000 female Postal Service workers in 1977.
1: Letter carriers began to unionize in the 1860s, so yes, going back a bit, um, including the Mostly Black National Alliance of Postal Employees. And in the 1970s, uh, jumping to our present spot in the timeline, carriers went on an eight-day strike dubbed the Revolt of the Good Guys. This led to an act of Congress establishing the USPS. Prior, it had been called the Post Office Department and funded by taxpayers. So this is our more modern iteration we're seeing right here. Um, Now it was expected to fund itself. And by the 1990s, not only was it doing that, it was profiting. That changed with a new law in 2006 that required that the post office pay up front the benefits of future employees spanning 75 years into the future. And since then... Uh, Perhaps. Obviously, it is not reported a profit. In
2: 1985, Jackie Strange was appointed as Deputy Postmaster General, the highest rank ever held by a woman in the Postal Office at the time. Her work when it came to advancing women in USPS was regarded
1: so well that Australia's Postmaster General asked her for advice. In 2008, women made up 61% of the 25,089 postmaster positions. And Megan J. Brennan became the first female postmaster general in 2015. So, what a uh, storied history. Um, we definitely have a ways to go still, but uh, just much... Sometimes I choose a topic and I really have no idea how interesting it's going to be. <laughs> right. I mean, this does
2: feels like wild, wild west... Kind of level of history with um, um, civil rights history in it too. And I think it would be a great series. Someone needs to do this
1: ASAP. Yes, yes. We shall eagerly await that. But in the meantime, we would love to hear from you. We would eagerly await that as well. You can email us. Our email is Steph Media Mom Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Steph Mom Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stephon Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines.